Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. is the Toffee Web Podcast. Ashley Young's corner. The header back across and Decore denied but then taps in. Everton off the mark in the Premier League this season thanks to Abdoulaye Decore. Ahmed Hodzic for Harmer. Early ball in from him, but Bernie took it well. Archer! What a start to his Sheffield United career. And you don't save those. Bulldog being urged to slap it long, which he has done. Palmer, cleverly done. Cameron Archer might try his luck again. Oh, it's in a Pickford! Sheffield United have turned it around. Garner might work out for him here as he tripped. Advantage. Beto sent it on. Good ball, surely! Dan Tume is there to level for Everton. His first Premier League goal for the Toffees after he scored in the League Cup in midweek. A high stakes game turning into a high scoring one as well. 2 2. I'm not quite sure where all this extra time is coming from. But Sheffield United have got a corner in the ninth additional minute. Taken by Norwood. Oh, the header off the bar! And Pickford's there again! Incredible! Absolutely astonishing end to the game. Pickford with a miraculous save to ensure Everton come away with a point. What an end to the game. Sheffield United 2. Everton too. I've got to be concentrating for 100 minutes. That's my job. Um, to pull off saves when called upon, help the team out, and um, yeah, it's a good moment with the unfortunate one goal in the first half. But I think it's there's a lot of positives and a few negatives we can take from the game. But 
the main thing is we got a point we wanted three it's a start on the board we keep looking a threat but you got to score and today we did we got two goals um, which is important um, to get that kind of lift off that sort of feeling around it you know who's going to score I think better will make a difference I thought he did today worked out as a hard first game obviously uh, Arnie's got another shift in today which is important you know to get that true uh, Premier League fitness and we've got bodies coming back after the break so there's some positive signs there Hello Blues welcome back to the Tuffy Web Podcast it's the first international break of the season and rather than arrive as an inconvenient disruption, this hiatus is probably welcome, given that it gives uh, Sean Dyche and his players time to take a breath, take stock and regroup following a winless start to the season. Uh, it also allows new players to bet in more and a couple of key players to regain their fitness ahead of the visit of Arsenal on the other side of the break. Uh, it's been a busy few weeks. Plenty has gone on with the transfer deadline passing at the end of another summer window that, again, felt very much incomplete. Uh, a scare in the Carabao Cup, a draw at Sheffield United, and now the drama surrounding Damari Gray. Uh, today, I'm joined by Paul and Elle, and we'll get into all of that on this week's episode, but we'll start with the, the biggest story that's on the board at the moment, and that is Damari Gray. Uh, Paul, I'll let you chime in first, and then Elle can follow on with, with his thoughts. Uh, without getting too much into the transfer window in general, because uh, we'll deal with that next, uh, what you make of this fiasco is a big loss. Uh, another player who can play wide and now up front. What are your thoughts? Yeah, of course, it's a it's a loss to the squad. Um, with with a be leaving on on deadline day, um, it just leaves really, doesn't it? Dan Juma, uh, Harrison, and um, um, McNeil, and then I guess Dobbin, I suppose. Um, I guess we might get used to seeing a bit gone on the wing a bit more, which is what we're saying. We don't want to, you know, we didn't want to see it. It's, yeah, probably pre quote and girl square square. Uh, square pegs round holes and all that sort of stuff um yeah it's it, it it's it, it's a re- it's a really big loss he's a, he's he's a decent player he's a, he's a handy player he's been um he's, he's been pretty good for us his last particularly for the fee um yeah and after the window losing that it's um <clears throat> assuming he's leaving um yeah it's a shame um you know it's always a shame when stuff like this happens isn't it in terms of you know yeah players coming out and criticizing managers and all that and yeah, I don't think the more no one's covered themselves in glory really. It feels like something's been dragging on a bit with the club. We could have done probably something a lot better with it. The more he isn't covering over glory either. I think these things, you know, okay, things can go wrong badly. I mean, Andrew Gomez, for example, he's probably sitting there thinking, "What am I supposed to do?" But he hasn't come out spouting about it. You know, you just you just have to get on with it and be professional. And he hasn't done that, uh, so that, that's uh, that's frustrating. But the the bottom line is it's. The financial position that we're in, and uh, you know, selling for ten million quid, and regardless of whether we can, whether it's good for everyone or not, right now, it feels that's stuff like that. It almost feels fire sale, doesn't it? Yeah, anything that anything yeah. like that, it just feels like we've yeah. got to, we have no choice but to take. I mean, I don't know. Awobi, I still think's a heck of a risk, uh, even even on a free, you know, if, if said the other week, the cost of relegation outweighs what the what we're getting in from a Wobi. I get it last you know last year the contract they're taking huge risks massive risks and we've seen how close we've come to relegation yeah let's hope they can just pull it off one more time because it's it, I don't know how much more sort of like you know family silver you can sort of sell off before yeah before all <laughs> yeah. all goes down to Swanee really yeah 
I think there's been an unfair narrative around Damari Gray as well. It's almost been like the stereotype of a one-away player that, you know, he, he's lazy and stuff like that, which I, I just haven't seen in an Everton shirt. I think I think he's worked hard. I know he's, you know, he might not be the type that will will chase back to the left-back position to put in a tackle, but even then, you know, I, I think it's it's been quite unfair and I think you, you're spot on, Paul, that, you know, where he's, where he's, you know, released that image on Instagram, I think he's let himself down there because I think... You know, it, it's it's shown that he's been a bit unprofessional because no matter what's happened, because I'm actually sort of more on the side of Gray in the sense that you know he was he was benched a, a fair bit under Deitch last season when I, di- I didn't see the need for that, and so I, I can see that when you're in a struggling team and you you know we know that Demario Gray's got a confidence. You know, he said he wants to play in the Champions League, and I think when it comes to the Everton squad last year, he was one of our better players. So I think it's. Although he hasn't covered himself in glory since, I do I do understand his viewpoint of of why he would want to get out of Everton and why he might feel a bit disrespected. Um, so looking at it, you know, it, it's the fact that you know he produced that moment of magic against Arsenal, uh, Manchester City. It was him who put the free kick in for Dominic Calvert Lewin against Palace. You know, for a very poor side, he he's really produced the goods when when we've needed him to. Now, admittedly, you know, you want from your wide player to be much more efficient than maybe Gray's been. But um, I do I think he's been very unlucky. And as I say, when 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 you have the confidence that he has, to see Alex Awobi and, and James Garner start out wide must have been bitterly disappointing. And, and again, I think it's, as you mentioned, Paul, you know, the, the square pegs round holes, it, it, it didn't need to be this way. And, that you know, I know we'll talk about the transfer window soon, but it's more the sense as well that, you know, we, we did the right thing in keeping him until we found a replacement, but then the replacement didn't really come. I know we've had Harrison and McNeil, but uh, they're injured. Um, so again, I feel that it's been another sort of wasted opportunity and Everton could pay the cost for for bad decision-making over uh, over the whole sort of state of how they've played this one. Um, because as I say, I just think when, uh, when Dobbin came on at home, it, the balance of the team, was just much better, and I think Damari Gray would have given us that. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I think really the narrative around Gray has been really unfair. I, I think he's he's much better than some people are giving him credit for. That you know, I think he is part you know a team player in that sense. But then obviously, it seems that when he feels a bit disrespected, he goes the other way. So so I agree that he has been let down, but then he, he's let himself down a bit further. If that makes sense, um, it would have been much better if he'd kept his mouth shut and then. I think he'd have a lot more respect if he'd then, when he'd moved to Saudi, if he'd done an interview then to say his bit, I think we could all look at it then. But I think what I was really encouraged by was the fact Everson and the manager have communicated their take on it. Um, I thought the interview that Sean Dyche did, that was really encouraging for me because I think throughout this sort of malaise of the last seven years, the biggest frustration is probably the fact that we don't know what's going on. Whereas... You know, whoever side you take, whether it's Graves or Deitch, it's good to have on record Deitch saying that, you know, nobody's bigger than the badge. He's a custodian. He's going to look after it. So out of all of the the mess that it's been around this transfer, I think that was a really encouraging sign yesterday that, you know, no matter what the real truth is, Sean Deitch has come out and said his point of view. And I think that's massive because I think it just cuts down a bit of the conjecture, a bit of the rumour mill, a bit of the the doubts and it just lets it play out a bit better and you know it's probably much easier for Gray to go now now that that's been said yeah 
I think the club has been uh, criticised in the past, as you say, for, for sort of not opening up on these things. And, and sometimes, you know, they've, they've kind of kept a dignified counsel and, and, and not said anything. But I think you're right that the, the conjecture kind of fills that void. I mean, I've seen a few people sort of criticise the club now and saying, well, you know, on this is this is the particular issue that you finally, you know, come out and then communicate. Uh, but I think there I think Deitch must have had his reasons. I'd love to know what's what kind of went on in the few weeks after Deitch came on board. There has to be more to 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 Gray just sort of spitting his dummy out about the transfer that, that hasn't gone through. I think there must have been some some stuff that's sort of, you know the the foundations of this was probably were probably laid in the first few weeks, as I say, when Deitch came in because you know he's not really a sort of archetypal Deitch player, although. It's funny the way that we're playing right now. We're not really we're not really playing Deitch ball a Deitch ball as we know it at all, really, are we? So <clears throat> I think that um, as you said, Paul, losing Iwobi and now losing Gray, there's experience for for all the the question marks over their end product and their their overall sort of quality and suitability to to driving Everton forward in the future, and the argument that we're better off raising money for players who are going to be out of contract in a year, which I completely agree. Um, I, I just feel like we have, we have, we sort of trimmed the fat and now we're, we're cutting flesh off the squad for players who, again, the, the, the final product and the output might not be there, but they have contributed to the team. They've played their part in keeping us up over the last couple of, of years. And, um, you know, when you look at Lewis Dobbin, who, I think many of us would say he's not quite ready for prime time. He's not quite got the, um, you know, the experience. We may need to call on someone like Damari Gray over this season. And, um, you know, with him gone, that's obviously going to be a concern. The flip side, obviously, is if you do have a player as disgruntled as he is, I think the club is making the right decision in getting rid of him uh, rather than sort of you know, having anything in the, in the dressing room that's going to, um, that's going to cause problems. Yeah, I mean the thing is, like, it's not like we're going to get to January and that oh that that ten million quid we had in the market, great. Oh, we can spend that now. <laughs> it's not we're not seeing a penny of this, are we? That's the, thing. <laughs> That's the problem, sure, isn't like, it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's not like it's like oh, okay, but we can you know we get by with them. We're going to sign this player. You know, what I mean, it's just it's just going against that. Um, and yeah, and that's it. I guess so. Like, I mean. You're right there, though, Linda, I mean, about like um, Sean Dyche, uh, Damari Gray. It's, yeah, you're probably right. I don't know, for whatever reason, Sean Dyche perhaps just didn't fancy Damari Gray. And man, just look at things. Look, I mean, you got to respect the man's decisions, I guess, at times. And, you know, it, it happens all the time, doesn't it? When the uh, manager comes in, doesn't doesn't fancy a player for whatever reason. We've seen it loads of times over, over the years. And it goes back a long time. And managers find ways of, of getting players out of the door. And we don't know how underhand that's been. None of us will ever know what, what what's really probably, what, what, what's really gone on. But um, yeah, just when stuff like this happens, you just always kind of think the club could have done better, the player could have done better. And that, that's kind of the way and the way I see it. Um, I don't think, if for, all the, for all the comings and goings at Everton, we don't really tend to have too many public spats. We have a few, don't we? I mean, the, there's the, uh, it's, you know, believe like if, if I look back, like, not too long ago, into when Rafa Benitez sort of like elbowed um, Luca Dean out the door. Luca Dean just kept kept his counsel on it until he left, and then did like an Instagram post and about it. And that, that's kind of the way you should do it. You know, what I mean, it's it's uh, it's it's kind of simple as that, really. So 
terms of options, I was just kind of think, can Ashley Young play further forward? Is that possibly an option, or has he just not got the legs anymore? Or is he just primarily a fullback? I don't know if if if, if that it's just to just to give us another option up there. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of something else because otherwise, yeah. It's, it, I mean, you say yeah, Havison's come back from injury. We don't know how soon that will be. We don't know mm-hmm. if the, even if McNeil will be quite good start. So yeah, you wouldn't be shocked, would you, if we talked another three or four games. With Ghana on the wing, and then you know you can't help but think of, it's a different, it's the same scenario as kind of last season in a different kind of way. Like we went so long without a striker, and now we're going to we're going to go so long. Now we've got better. We're going to go so long without a supplier because yeah we have yeah because we haven't um, yeah we because yeah. we've dismantled the squad a little bit for whatever reason. So it does worry me. So Dan Juma gets an injury, it's out for like three months or something like that. And yeah, it, or, you know, it could just really it can happen, can't it? And you know you, you just can't help but be concerned. With how flimsy the squad looks, that's my, that's my concern with it. Yeah, well, I think you know from the outside looking in, as we say, we don't we probably don't know one percent of what's gone on. But I think I, I I said on the podcast at the end of last season, you know, from Damari Gray's body language when he was on the bench when he warm up in front of the Goddard Street, he just looked very frustrated. And I I think that that's probably where it started. That he obviously thinks he should be in an underperforming team. Sean Dyche doesn't think so for whatever reason. And I think it's just rumbled on, and that's that's where I look at it. It's it, yet again, everything is sort of relying on circumstance for their final league position, rather than actually just having a squad to play football. It, it, it's you know, if if there's an injury crisis, you know, as you mentioned, Paul, if Dan Juma's out for three months, that could contribute to Everton struggling again this season. Whereas if we're lucky and everybody's fit, and McNeil and Harrison are back in two weeks, all of a sudden we could maybe you know get in the top twelve. <laughs> You know, it, it, it's not. <laughs> that's the disappointment for me. It, 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 it's Everton too many times make decisions where they're not in control of their future. There's too many things that can unravel. Um, so yeah, I, for me, I, just, I don't understand. I know that managers have their opinions on players, but for me, I just I thought it was quite needless to not involve Gray. And I think you know we know that he played for Jamaica, so he was late. You know, late back and. You know, if you listen to some of the stories, it's that he wasn't willing to come to train and stuff. So that's what, if, you know, if that's the case, that is really poor. But even then, if he did go to training, would Daichi be starting him on the wing? I still don't think he would. Maybe so. It's um, mm. it's a difficult one. It's just, it's just, it's just a shame that you know the timing of it is just horrible, really. Because even if you know Everton do cash in, as you said, Paul, we won't spend it in January. You know, we wouldn't spend it anyway. But it's just it's just leaving it very short when you know Damari Gray is a player that is capable of you know he's capable of doing nine mistakes in a game but then he'll do something great and I think when you're in Everton's position you need players like that as as mad as it sounds yeah well on the topic of the uh, summer window and the transfer deadline in general uh, it was another frustrating and anticlimactic deadline day and we've had some thrilling ones in the past uh, but these days it just seems to be an exercise in futility uh, waiting till 11 p.m for, for any sign of an incoming signing uh paul it looks like we have a real difference maker now in beto and uh, we'll have to wait and see what the likes of jack harrison for example can offer under sean dyche but i think you know we've already we've already touched on it to quite a degree actually we're really low on numbers now and maybe we've already answered this question but i mean do we have enough at least to get through to january <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out, I guess. Uh, yeah. I mean, if I mean, speak, listen to that Sean Dyche interview uh, just that dropped just last night, I think, or yesterday. 
Um, he seems quite upbeat about the numbers returning, I guess. So you think if the, the squad that we have, if, if, if everyone's fit, if everyone, you know, if, if everyone comes back and the majority of that squad stay fit, then it's probably enough, I think, probably, uh, certainly to get through through January. Um, it's just a question of it, a question of it. I don't know. I mean, if if the kind of worry is if we fit, if if we feel that we're sort of I don't know we're doing okay around January, you know, there probably will be nothing to spend. If you're like really in the shit, mm-hmm. then yeah, then it might be too late. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. It's it's, it's going to be it's, it's going to be really it's going to be really really difficult. It's going to be all hands to the pump. I think if we um, one concern is if. If we don't arrest the the form quite soon, if we don't start winning winning games, quite if we say we go six games, something like that, and we're still really struggling for results, uh, confidence is shot. What happens then? Now that, that that that's a concern. Is that another managerial change? Can you lift that squad enough? So it's they're going to need to get wins quickly. I think, and I think if you get wins quickly and breed confidence into the team, then then yeah, it, it will be okay. But. I don't know. I'm normally quite positive, I think, as you know, but I just don't feel it this year. I, I, the, the way the way the squad is and the way we are, and it just feel like a consistent negative feeling around things. I just don't. Mm, I don't know. I'm pretty concerned more so this season than than probably any other at the moment, to be honest. Yeah, and I think when you look at Morpay, Wobi, and Gray, who are all either you know they left on the. The deadline or, or afterwards, you know, combined, they made 98 appearances in the Premier League last season. So, you know, no matter what you think of them in terms of numbers, that's three players that even in the squad, you know, a day before the transfer window, the squad still felt light. And then when those three players leave, that's when you look at it and you think it, it's basically if you get one injury in the defence, the midfield or the attack, you do look a bit knackered. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, last season was hard enough doing without Calvert-Lewin, it would be even worse if you're then doing without Tarkovsky or you're then doing it without Inanna, for example, um, or, you know, worse as we're in at the minute, you know, no wingers. Um, so I think that was a real worry for me, actually, because going into the deadline, I was I was quietly confident that we'd have one of those deadlines where, you know, you, you suddenly pluck two players out of thin air that nobody's been reported on. Um, I think the, the defence is a bit of a mess because... Last season, we had seven centre-backs on the books, <laughs> which is too many. <laughs> and now it feels mm-hmm. like we've got too few in the sense that I think Godfrey's had a really difficult few years and I just don't think he's that dependable at the minute. I think he needs a, a run of games where everything goes really well for him to, to return yeah. to half the form of the player he was in. Um, Michael Keane, you know, it's been well documented that he's got an error in him. So you're looking at Tarkovsky and Branthwaite being fit for the entire season. Which, you know, Tarkovsky, you know, touch wood, he, he played a lot of games for Burnley and he's played a lot of games for Everton. But you look at it and it, it is, it's just, it's almost like, sounds a lot to say, but it's one injury away from disaster again. And that was what worried me because I feel like, especially the forward positions, to let Cannon and Morpé go baffled me because you've you've made it one-dimensional again. You've, you've made it that, you know, Beto and Calvert-Lewin, aren't just a big lump up front that hold it up. They can run in behind, they can do other things. So it's not that Morpay or Cannon were going to score 10, 20 goals a season this year. It's just that they gave something different to Everton. And if Chimiti, Beto, Cavaloon are injured, you've still got something there. So that was the big one for me. Although, you know, a lot of people didn't want to see a Wobi go. 
I was more concerned that Morpe was going, even though he's not done a lot in an Everton shirt, because it was almost like, well, all right, Neil, come and play for us. 12 months will make your life difficult. We won't give you what you need. We'll bring all these centre-forwards <laughs> who will likely make you play better. And as we saw against Doncaster, you know, he, he held the ball up, he played someone in, he got the assist. For 12 yeah. months after that in the Gladys Street and seeing Neil Morpe struggle to control the football, that's how much his confidence is taking a battering and how difficult he's found it. We've finally given him something that he can work with. And it's like, sorry, it's not worked out, Neil. On your way. And it, 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 it's again, it's <laughs> you look at those key decisions and it's not just this week. It's going to affect us September, October, November, December and beyond. And for me, I was when we signed Chimiti and Beto, I thought that attack looks really good now. And it, it, it would have allowed Cannon to go out on loan and develop. And then you sell more pay next summer when then Cannon's ready to step up. So it was like Everton really got the house in order and then took a big sledgehammer to the side of it. Um, so for me, it was, it was the, the Neil Morpe decision, you know. I know he's been so non-existent in this Everton team. Hasn't been effective at all. But I thought that was really set up nicely. So for me, it's just a bit concerning that these decisions where we're spinning plates in terms of finance, managing the team and all that that goes with it. It just looks like we're on a bit of a, a cliff edge again and you know, it, it might be okay, but it could be a complete disaster. Yeah, and the thing about Mopé is we didn't even get any money. It's a loan, you know, so the, the whole rationale for it is seems to purely be about, which I suppose is a good thing in a way, that the, sort of the player's welfare and what the player needs. But um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think, as you've said, L, that the needs of the team are probably greater and that we do need, you know, it wasn't like he, he was even that much of a fringe player. I mean, he started for us this season he's come off the bench for us this season we've obviously needed you know uh, him in the side and as you say we we, we can't, can't count on Calvert-Lewin's fitness until we've got some kind of evidence that he can stay fit for a few weeks at least in a few games at least and then you know obviously if he's not available then you're down to two and I just think as, as you've already said we've, we're, we're short everywhere in the, in the, in the team now and there are the, the defense. If you look at it, Michael Keane was not available against Sheffield United because of an injury. Jared Branthwaite's been withdrawn from the under twenty one squad today because he needs to be treated for a minor injury. Now the club say he'll be back, but you know both of those players potentially carrying minor injuries. You've only got Ben Godfrey left. You've got uh, Reese Welch who's out um, on loan, so he's not available. So I just think it's. Um, it's massively, massively concerning, and the same you got the same issue in, in midfield, and obviously the same issue up front. So I just think that um, I, I think we're taking a huge, huge gamble, huge gamble this season. At least, I mean, yeah, you can say we can get to January, but we said that last year about signing a striker, and never did. Uh, we've obviously got the issue of Adrissa Gay and Abdullah Dukore potentially leaving for. The Africa Cup of Nations, perhaps for as long as six weeks. What do we do in Jan? What ha- what happens in January? I mean, are we going to have players lined up to come in and and, and replace them, or are we just going to try and wing it? It's just, I don't know. You know, if if there was any any kind of track record of, of the club actually addressing these these questions in a um, in a decisive manner, I think we'd all kind of take a breath. But I just find it incredibly worrying. 
And just to add as well, you know, we're, we're in the here and now. This season is really important to, to stay up again. But it's yeah. also affecting the players' development because, you know, as we've seen with Ben Godfrey playing out of position, I don't think that's done him any good. James mm-hmm. Garner's a terrific central midfielder. He's going to be shifted out wide when the Africa Cup yeah. of Nations happens. Is he going to come back in? Then who's going to play wide? But as well, with the striker setup, it allowed Calvert-Lewin to rehabilitate as needed. Wouldn't be any pressure on him. And Chimiti would be able to develop at his own rate. There'd be no pressure on his shoulders either. Now, it's if, if Beto is to be suspended, or, you know, God forbid, he picks up an injury, then you're relying on Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who isn't fit, and Yusuf Chimiti, who's 19, who Sean Dyche has explicitly said. He's, he's raw at the minute. So it, it, it's the fact that we've let Morpay go where Morpay could have plugged that little gap for however long. And it just means that Chimiti can develop at his own, whereas instead, you, you know, you throw a 19-year-old in front of the Gladys Street and they're desperate for him to score a goal. Um, and then and then that, that's how a narrative can start, that if Chimiti plays 10 games and hasn't scored a goal, it's, oh, well, he's not good enough. And it, it's the same with Garner. He's a fantastic central midfielder. But, you know, some fans will say, oh, well, you know, he didn't track his man there. And I'm thinking, yeah, but you've got Nathan Patterson at right back who who is suffering as well. And it, it's yeah, it's not just about the here and now. It's the fact we've got lots of young players that, you know, need their hands held. And that's not, not to be critical of them. They need to be, you know, developed properly. And they're being put into, like, the deep end because of the, the decisions we've made. So that's a, that's another thing for me. It's you know I I thought the the striker situation before the deadline was good. We had we had five players there who could all each benefit in their own way, and now it's it's going to be spinning plates again. Yeah, I never thought I'd uh, agree on Mope there. Um, but like, yeah, it's uh, it's <laughs> it's true though, isn't it? I mean, like, if you, I mean, yeah, yeah like we're playing Doncaster, but that that little bit of link up play was uh, was smart, wasn't it? Uh, for 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 a winning goal, and you're right. But the moment was like, oh yeah, finally, you can yeah, I could I could work off this better. Like, yeah, I might get yeah, might 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 suit me a bit better, and then he's gone. <laughs> so crazy for for what like. A, I uh, know a little bit of a loan fee, probably. I guess his wages off the books for the year, and that, it's, it, that, that's how skint we are. That, you know, we have, we just have to take anything, don't we? It's it's uh, it's madness. Um, Centre backs are worrying me. I'm, I'm not sure any of them are dependable right now. Finn Blanfoy's doing ever so well, but I mean, I'd, I'd say he's not dependable purely because of his age. I mean, and, and that's the thing, and that's yeah. the pressure we're, we're putting on him. Tarkovsky needs to needs to pick up big time at the moment. Like, and I think we've we've already. Uh, Highlighted enough of the um, lack of dependency from Michael Keane and um, and Ben Godfrey for whatever reason. Uh, I think they just lost the ways somehow. Uh, them players, you know, what I mean, they, 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 they were good players and they lost the ways, and that's a that's a sad thing. Um, Tarkovsky, you know, he's captain at the moment. He he, he needs to he needs to be uh, pulling that pulling that uh, ship together because he's uh, he's making mistakes which are hurting us and. Um, yeah, we need more at left back at the moment as well. I think uh, it's going off on a lot of a tangent because I think it feels like nearly every goal comes from Ashley Young's side. I'm not saying they're all directly mm-hmm. his fault, but there's, there's there's obviously some imbalance there and some problems. Maybe the, the, maybe if you're going to be more a bit more positive, I guess now now the window is closed. Well, one more player still probably to leave, but like the, the window is closed and it's just a case of like this is what we got now. It's there's, there's more clarity on what Sean that Sean Dyche has more has more clarity on what he has to work with. 
And we keep saying it, he's got to find a way, um, but never more so than, than, than with what he's got to work with this season. Um, but yeah, that, that I haven't given it as much thought um, as you, you, you just pull out there, um, Al, but yeah, it is baffling them straight uh, what we've done to what looked like a good attack <laughs> to what we dismantled it uh, with. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's crackers, really. Um, yeah, just got to hope we can get out of it. <laughs> yeah. We've sort of mentioned it already, but uh, the cup tight uh, Doncaster, the first half was one of the uh, more sobering 45 minutes of football I've ever watched. Uh, I think, I mean, for me, it kind of reminded me of when we played Boreham Wood under Frank Lampard, and, and you've got a team that's that's clearly the onus is on Everton to go out and, and just get the job done and perform. Um, but I, I think that, God, even that the hard work we made of you know what is at the at the time we played them the worst team in the football league it was 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 actually frightening the the shortcomings that we sort of bang on about on a weekly basis of players just not being able to find a, a teammate you know balls just sort of going out into touch it was i suppose it was all it was all there and you know a couple of players i think there was concern over just how raw the likes of Dobbin and Chimiti looked in that match but then you know you 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 throw in all the, the professional, the supposed more experienced professionals around them who couldn't just get the job done either. And it was, uh, was really quite worrying. Obviously, the, uh, the, the, the big plus that came out of that was Beto coming on and completely just changing the game. Um, and then his combination with, with, uh, with Dan Juma. Those two are going to be really, really important. Really important to us this season, I think, aren't they? Uh, yeah, Dan uh, Dan could say having a really good season, especially now he's uh, now he's got a few goals. Uh, so hopefully he can he can he can hit the ground running. Uh, looks like he's getting over the injury problems. <laughs> Just going on about them, the, the striking options we got there. It feels like we're already asking too much of Beto or assuming too much of Beto. He's, he looks, looks a very good player, and I, I think uh, teams have all the attributes. Seems you know seems physically fit. He's going to be a handful. He's pacey. Hopefully he knows where the goal is. Um, so yeah, I just feel all you know. It, it kind of already feels like well, if he doesn't hit the ground run, and if he you know if he doesn't start scoring goals straight away, or you know, I don't know, or it just for the for whatever reason it doesn't click, we're kind of really really in a bit of a pickle, aren't we? Uh, so it's really got to work. We obviously made a big bet on Beto, and it's, it's really got to work. But uh, yeah, good. Um, like to look at Dan Juma, who seems to be kicking on, and so I mean, hopefully as McNeil and um, Harrison come back in, you know, come into it a bit more, we might just have enough options in there um, around there. But I just worry about our defence and just how many sort of how easily we're conceding goals is the, is the bigger problem for me. But yeah, looking like we can score goals, if we can, I guess if we can sort out the other side, then um, then uh, yeah, we might might be in business perhaps. Yeah, it just felt like you know Everton have had to balance things with the strike force, and then have they, as they've done that, the defensive frailties have, have increased. Um, mm. But yeah, I completely agree, Lyndon. Like that Doncaster first half was just horrendous, and it it just feels like every game this season Everton are bordering on crisis. But then there seems to be enough caveats to to put you at ease again. So you know, being <laughs> that bad against Doncaster, but then you bring on. A centre forward who can who can change the game, and you know a lot of people from the outside will say, "Oh well, it's only Doncaster," but you know we we we've been so short up front to see a player make that run, and you know the Corey's pass needs to be loaded as well. That was a really smart pass from deep to to pick him out. So you know that there is 
there is quality there, but it's almost like everything going on at the club. It just to me, it just feels like the players have got a lot on their mind and a lot to contend with. Not in a literal sense, but it it, it just feels that you know I don't I don't think anybody's in a position yet to just enjoy their football. Um, it feels like you know that the backs against the wall and they're just trying to get through each game at the minute. So you know we've we've got good opportunities coming up, but I think it was you know as I say it could have been crisis, but we've we've got the job done and. You know, I think it is the quality shine through in the end because, as you've said, you know, Dan Juma and Beto, I think I sort of look at them too and see them, like, partnering to sort of have an effect like Richarlison did, if that makes sense. I feel like when Richarlison yeah. was, like, the talisman, I feel like that partnership could, in terms of Dan Juma being out wide and Beto, I think that's the thing that could get us out of a few sticky patches this season. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I mean, we'll probably just deal with the Sheffield United game because I think there's some of the similar similar themes emerged again. I don't know how many goals Beto is going to score this season, but I think just his presence alone is going to make an enormous difference. Um, I think it's, it's very early to, to sort of <laughs> to make this sort of assessment, this determination. But I think just on the on the very small sample that we've had so far, I think he seems like a more complete and more effective player than Calvert-Lewin, which, you know, is fantastic because not only have we you know, sort of replaced Calvert-Lewin, maybe, we, maybe we've gone one better. Um, you know, just his um, his raw pace alone, which is quite surprising. I didn't, I'd sort of seen a few clips of, of his time at Udinese, but I think some of the the way that he's sort of just sort of strided away from his, his mark, I mean, that's, that's, it's a really good outlet to have, and particularly the way that we seem to be playing under Deitch is going to be a really effective weapon. Obviously, as you've both mentioned, the goals that we're conceding are my bigger concern at the moment because, as you said, Al, we fixed the, we seem to have sort of addressed part of our attacking issues, and now we've revealed all these um, defensive weaknesses, and it's not something that you would have expected from a Sean Deitch team. You know, you watched his masterclass, and it's all about defending the V and. Unfortunately, we're not defending the V very well. I mean, it's the the goals are are we're conceding cheap goals, and I think overall, I think we're going to score goals now, which obviously was a huge concern last season. But it's whether we can keep them out at the other end. Um, and so, I, the the Sheffield United game reminded me a lot of the one at Forest um, and the one at Leicester as well. Matches that we we should have won, we did enough to win, but didn't. And you just have to hope that ultimately then it's not going to cost you over the you know over the course of the season because I think as I put on Twitter we've got the exact same record now from the same matches that we played last season if you substitute Sheffield United for Leeds which we drew away we've got exactly the same number of points but then you know the onus is to win against Arsenal and win at Brighton now these kinds of games there will be opportunities for you know the home the equivalent of the home game against Southampton which I think would be um, Luton so the equivalent would be against Luton. So obviously you'd hope we're going to win home games against Luton and sort of make up points elsewhere. But, um, you know, the longer you go without winning, the uh, the more uh, pressure you put on yourselves to win those those home games that we should. Yeah, definitely. Um, I didn't actually see much of the Sheffield United game. I was at a wedding. Um, and it's funny, 
normally you get into get get to get to a wedding you, you know it was like get there for 12 30 and we got there at 12 50 they expected to go and sort of just sit there inside the church and sort of wait but it was actually a bit different and <laughs> went through to this reception but uh sorry this this, this bar area so i'll just have a drink it was a little, a little bit of a different sort of wedding and uh and we were just there for it. I thought I'll just start watching the match on the on my phone then. And ever as soon as I sort of pulled it on, Everton scored. And then we're playing really well, I thought. And then Dan Juma had that warm and it was four v two and he sh- definitely should have passed and that would have been two 0 And then it's like, could everyone come through for the for the for the for the ceremony, please? And then so we're in this sort of little church and um I just checked my phone quick and yeah, really quick. And so we're losing two one. I was like what 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 the f and what what has happened there? <laughs> <laughs> and with, with a pick for their own goal to boot, I was like, well, "Hang on, what what?" Everton, <laughs> Everton happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what happened, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't I didn't see anything then until finally, like I saw we were still playing on ninety six minute, and then tuned in again and just saw like it was completely on the ropes, and Pickford make that. Uh, double treble save whatever you call it at the end and mm. so obviously what I saw was by no means obviously I've seen the highlights since and all that like by no means a fair reflection of the game we we uh, could have done yeah could, could have won it by the sound of things but you know at the same time same time might have lost it some poor refereeing calls as well from what I've seen um, yeah it did sound pretty similar to particularly the Forest game from what I could uh, from what I could tell um, and yeah we just got to hope that I mean, obviously, Sean Dice must be wary of this, the way they're defending, the, the, the goals we're conceding. I'm sure they'll be, they'll be working on it. Um, it feels like we, we still probably need a bit more protection from midfield as well. Are they this what where by not having a proper number, you know, number six, a proper defensive mid sort of player in there? Is that is that hurting us a little bit too, if you look at sort of squad and balance? Um, maybe, yeah, I mean, maybe that's a tweak the system. Maybe he's got to look at three at the back. I don't know. They'll, they'll be thinking of all these things and hopefully he can just come out with the... Uh, the formula, uh, which does it because yeah, the effort. I think the players are mostly trying, from what I can tell. They're mostly. I right, scratch off that Villa game. That was that was woeful. But the you know the um yeah the, the other games that they are giving it a good go. Um yeah, as you say, maybe just all the goings on are distracting, and maybe all the you know the what ifs are, have been difficult to deal with. So a bit of luck now. The window's closed. They can just kick on a little bit more. Um, but it just feels like every game is just defined by fine margins for us. We're not going to go and. Yeah, does it feel we're ever going to go and comfortably win a game anytime soon? I always feel like it's going to be we sneak it or we, you know, it get it gets sneak past us. You know what I mean? So it's just gonna. It just feels like a really sort of dicey season up ahead, doesn't it? And you know, just got to really sort of hope that them little sort we win them little one percent here and there on the pitch and uh, just come out on top of these sort of 50-50 games a lot a lot more because. I just don't feel there's any there's really going to be too many games which which is going to completely dominate and uh, you know just score early and score a few more and you know what I mean so yeah um, a bit worried about the season as you can probably tell but uh, yeah let's uh, let's hope they can they can get it right on the on the training ground yeah I think Beto is quite deceiving because you know he's six foot four and I think it's it's similar with Jamiti. Um the last home game we were throwing balls up to Jamiti's head when. It became very apparent he wanted into feet or at least into his chest. And I think yeah. that's a real plus with Beto is that we will stretch teams now. When the ball goes long, Beto will win fouls, will get free kicks, will just... And I think it sounds mental, but the signing of Beto should improve the defence long-term because, hear me out, <laughs> last season, <laughs> the ball was going up and with no focal point, it was just coming back. Yeah. It must have been like the Alamo. I th- you know, Tarkovsky, I think, did an interview and said, you know, it is difficult without a centre-forward. So I think, you know, with better up there, 
I think it will just let the team get up the pitch a bit, and I think it will just let the defence have a breather now and again, because they've got that out ball. You know, I don't think they're going to be as panicked, and I think it'll just stay up there a bit longer. Um, so that's really good. I completely agree with Paul. I think the mid. I'm sort of waiting for Sean Dyche to to change the midfield. It needs changing. I think and something I've advocated all season is for Anana to be in that six. Um, more about his ability on the ball rather than just his tackling. I just think we need someone to get the game going from from the back and sort of join the play up. Um, it still feels a bit disjointed. I just don't think the Everton midfield is imposing itself on games. I think I think we've got athletes in there. I think Idrissa Garnagay and Decore will run all day and they'll give a hundred percent. But I think we need a bit more because I think the Premier League now. I think the coaches, you know, I think it's very technically savvy now. Um, you know, you look at the likes of Newcastle with Sandro Tonali, just mm-hmm. picking passes at will and stuff. And I, I, I feel like, you know, I, I, I don't see Idrissa Garnagay and Decore being the future of you know Premier League midfields. I think, I think you need more now. Um, so you know they'll do a fantastic job while we've got them, and you know there are games where they'll really fit the bill. But for me, it needs to be Garner and Anana, and maybe Dwight McNeil in that number ten role when he's back to, to you know really get the team going. But as well, I know um, a few people have said Dan Juma is, seems quite selfish, or maybe he's not the best at decision making. But I looked at the stats, and in the four, first four Premier League games, he's had fourteen shots. That's already half of the shots that Morpay had in the entirety of last season. Um, and it, it's just the fact that you know he might blaze one over, but it's still showing an energy and, and you know showing that Everton on the attack. And I think one of his shots were deflected, and it led to the corner that got us the goal. So for me. Yeah, he is a bit selfish, and yeah, there's times when you think make the pass, and he hasn't. But at the same time, you know, four games to have half the shots one of our strikers had is is crazy. And I think I think it's just we need players who shoot on sight because you never know he might hit one, and it goes off a centre back's knee and wrong foot's the keeper and goes in, and it's a one nil win. So that's something I'm all over. And then you know, just finally on the Sheffield United game, that that Pickford save is incredible. Like I was quite quick to tweet after that to say that David Seaman's title of the finest save against Sheffield United had gone, but the Pickford—it's not only that there's a few bodies in his way and he's got his hand to it; it's the fact he's been able to push it up out of danger, and then he's reacted so quickly. And as I say, you know, can you imagine this conversation now if we'd have lost three-two in the last minute at Sheffield United? It is mm-hmm. full-on crisis, and so you know we we talk about match winners and we probably see better as that. But the amount of points and pickles Pickford gets us out of is just crazy. You know, real kudos to him because that was a top, top draw save. And, you know, goalkeepers need to be switched on all game. And to do that when his team needed him was just fantastic. So massive kudos to Pickford for that. Yeah, and the, and the fume around where Andy Madley found an extra three minutes to actually allow that 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 final corner to come in. I mean, I was like, I was like, where the hell has this time come from? But yeah, it was a it was a, a phenomenal save. And I I saw someone I saw a tweet of ref sent something like Jordan Pickford's like the only only player who gets regularly ridiculed and criticised for being world class at his job on a weekly basis. I mean, they, it, it it astounds me actually how how. People seem to misrepresent his form at Everton compared to his form for England because you know there is really no difference. I mean, if anything, he's, he's better for us. I mean, yes, he he makes mistakes from time to time, but that's what goalkeepers make mistakes from time to time. All of them do, you know. 
I mean, they've got Nick Pope, who made one at the weekend. Ramsey's making mistakes. I mean, they all make mistakes. They're goalkeepers. They're, the, they're literally the last, the last man, and they can't be perfect every time. Um, but Jordan Pickford has been, well, I mean, we've said it many times, as instrumental as, about keeping us up as, um, as anyone. But uh, going back to, um, you're talking about the number of shots that Dan Juma's been taking. I mean, the team as a whole has been taking a lot more shots. Um, and that's that's kind of been a theme under Deitch almost since he came in. And again, another sort of surprising aspect of, of Sean Deitch's management. We had, what was it, 19 against uh, Fulham on the opening day. Uh, another 15 against Wolves and then 16 at Sheffield United. So, you know, the attacking output is there. Um, and I think the more that Dan Juma settles in, obviously the more Beto sets in, settles in, we're going to have more sort of potency up front. In terms of that midfield um, debate, it's an interesting one. And it seems that with Iwobi gone, that Onana seems to be taking a bit more responsibility in that midfield. But it seems to be more uh, pushing forward and not sort of sitting back in that, in that number six role that you're talking about, Al. Which would be all fine, but you have this problem where Idrissa Gay tends to bomb forward. And then you've got this big space behind us, which I think we saw exposed a couple of times by um, by Sheffield United. So I think that, perhaps more than than anything, is, is an area that, that Deitch really needs to sort of address and, and, and kind of well, identify to begin with. Because I'm not too sure that he has, he has so far. And then, again, stopping the crosses. You know, I think Onana had a really effective game at Sheffield United, but you know he was a little bit, little bit um, lax in in sort of stopping that cross for the first goal. Um, so again, it's it's these it's these fine margins. If you're not going to be able to score as many goals as your um, attempts on on target or attempts at goal uh, suggest, then you've got to be you've got to be as close to perfect as you can be at the back. And obviously that was an issue at, uh, at Bramall Lane. Yeah, I mean, I suppose, I mean, they, they were lucky that they've been a bit unlucky, weren't they? Uh, Abbott in particular from the two home games. I mean, I guess that's the thing. If you're not taking these chances you, you know, and, you, and you make that one in like that, you do get punished. And it just felt particularly the Wolves one was a real sort of like sickening because that was a very, very preventable, preventable goal, wasn't it? The Wolves one. And yeah, just, I don't know. You might just feel like the players maybe might feel looks going against us a bit more so than oh look at these mistakes we're making. It's just like and that's kind of the way it goes, isn't it? When you when you when you're kinda of down there. But they've got plenty to work on for sure. But yeah, it's encouraging. One thing they don't well, yeah, they've got to keep on working on that. But one thing that they have got right is is the like you say, chances created. Um I wasn't aware I didn't see all of the Villa game, wasn't aware we'd even created that much at Villa. So that's that, that even that in itself is weirdly a little bit encouraging. So um yeah, I guess you know the goals will come if they keep on doing that, particularly as them sort of attacking players get back into the team. It's just that balance of what they can do. Loads to work on. Yeah, I mean, but they, like you say, the encouraging thing is chances are being created and with the attacking players come back, you know, hopefully goals will, more goals will be scored. Well, they'd have to be, wouldn't they? We can't really score much less than what we are at the moment, albeit two, mm-hmm. two the other day, you know what I mean? So surely, just, just naturally, more goals will come if you keep creating them opportunities, so... Yeah, just uh, they got to stick at it, but they just got to find a better way of defending um, and just not switching off for their moments. And yeah, I think they got to look at the midfield somehow or other. I don't know what the solution is. Um, I still think Anana, he's just got too much to offer further up the pitch, Al, in my opinion. I don't you know. It's, uh, I think he's just, it, it's almost, it might be needs must, and he has to sort of stay there. It just feels like there's too much of a player there, and he has to 
be doing something a bit more further forward. But yeah, they gotta find they gotta find a way there to, to figure that out. So I think that's probably his, his chief concern really, because yeah, there's a lot of good things there. So hopefully he can just get that right. The one thing that that, that does encourage me and like it's a big if if everyone stays fit, but I think the first eleven is actually a very effective first eleven now. If we can keep it fit, once Jack Harrison comes in, I think you're going to find a player who will um, be more effective in terms of attacking output and effectiveness in the final third than Awobi. I think that he could end up being, um, you know, a very effective player for us because for all Awobi's creativity and his skill on the ball. Um, and his energy, which from a defensive standpoint is going to be hard to replace. You know, the, the, his his metrics don't stand up to scrutiny, really. I mean, his his attacking output is pretty poor. I mean, however many goals he scored, I think it's obviously less than double figures over the entire course of his time at Everton. Um, I think that kind of speaks for itself. So I think, you know, when you've got the likes of Harrison, you've got Dwight McNeil back in there, you've got the options of, of switching Dan Juma from flank to flank or even playing him in a, in a number 10 role you know we have attacking options uh the midfield if if they can tighten up is a very effective midfield and you know with um with Branthwaite Branthwaite playing the way that he is and if Tarkovsky can get his head right then I think really your your only weaknesses I suppose are at fullback and you've got to just go and try and mitigate those as much as possible but I think uh you know if again big if you can keep most of those players fit we actually have a pretty pretty effective first 11 now yeah, I think that's why I'd like to see McNeil play in number 10 because I think McNeil, Dan Juma and Harrison, you, especially with the squad so thin, I think that's the way you get all three of them on the pitch. Um, mm-hmm. Because I know Dan Juma could probably play number 10, but I do like him cutting in from the left. And I think yeah. McNeil's got that passing range. Um, but I've, I've compared on social media as well that the, the Martinez team where Morales, Barkley and Delafeo would interchange. I feel like Harrison, Danjuma and McNeil could do that. You know, McNeil can play on the left, he can play on the right, he can play number 10. And I think, you know, Harrison can drift out to the two. So I think when they're fit, I think we that's probably going to be... It sounds weird because we feel short out wide, but then when everybody's fit, we should, as you said, it should be efficient. It, it should actually help us. And I think particularly away from home, you know, some of those runs that Dwight McNeil was able to make against Brighton, for example... And some of the way, you know, the way Anana was able to pick a pass. I think that bodes um, quite well, particularly away from home. Um, I do, I think maybe that it's the home form that might be a bit of a, a tricky one still, just as we're trying to find our feet still. Mm. Well, three at the back, is that any sort of possibility? And you've got McNeil playing the left wing back and well, he's sticking Garner in a position he doesn't want to be or, mate, or, or shouldn't be... Uh... Or um, Patterson, I don't know, and then you can maybe find a better midfield balance, which could include Dan Juma. Um, uh, perhaps a player off a striker, you know what I mean? Like a, I don't know, like a five-four-one or a five-three-two or so. I don't know. Just I'm trying to think of other options, really, which gives a bit more protection to the defense. Yeah. I saw on social media someone had put a three-five-two with Ashley Young, sort of in that left midfield role, and I think that could, now we've got Jared Bronthwaite who's left-footed. I think if that could work, actually, it's just obviously, do we have the numbers to play the three centre-backs? But I think that could work, and then I think that just gives Dan Juma a bit more freedom, maybe. But mm. it is, I, 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 I think, I do think if, if they just to get this right, the team in two months' time will look very different to what it is now. I, th- I think there's, 
there's a there's a better way, isn't there? I don't know what the answer is, but there's definitely a better way to make the players available click. Um, but that's up to Deitch, thankfully, and not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> All right, well, uh, well, we'll finish off with our weekly question. We started with the Damari Gray saga, and we'll circle back to that. Uh, I suppose we've been quite fortunate not to have been plagued by too many of these uh, beefs between players and managers in the past, but uh, is Gray the most public one, perhaps? Uh, what's the most memorable falling out between uh, an Everton player and his manager, Paul? I don't know what most um, uh, memorable, but uh, I found that uh, uh, when we really needed him, uh, the freezing out of Sylvan Distan from Roberto Martinez, very peculiar. Mm-hmm. Well, um, the season didn't need to be dead. We had like, a, a, you know, we, we still had a chance in Europe. We, you know, the, 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 the league season, had, yeah, that, that had gone nowhere by this point, but we're still in Europe and uh, Dynamo Kiev away and uh, we're two on up from the first leg and... Uh, Centre back shortage, and um, he plays uh, Alcaraz instead of because he's completely frozen out this time because he probably disagreed with. Uh, um, well, as a lot of them had at this point, it was unraveling from Roberto at this point. I think wasn't it? But he, they were disagreeing with his like his fitness methods and uh, the defensive coaching or lack of, and uh, yeah, and I think this time was perhaps a bit more vocal about why we always want to play out with the back and just do it, do it what, uh, what's working. Okay. And obviously you criticize the manager about your power, don't you, I suppose. But, um, yeah, it's just, I don't know when managers sort of like, if you cut your own nose off to spite your face so much and it just really costs us. We got absolutely hammered by, uh, by Dynamo Kiev. Um, Valkovar's looking so hapless at the back and just thought, you know, you got a, a solid, dependable, brave centre-back day. He just completely throws it out. Um, so, that's one that sprung to my mind was uh yeah just a rather odd fallout um for a player who's seen quite a bit like a really really good pro and a really good good character to have around and I know quite old at this point but a really good defender who really would have helped us then so it was one that sprung to mind for me yeah I think Mark, the one that sprung to mind is from the exact same era and I think it may even coincide but it was Samueletto and Roberto Martinez just oh, because yeah. it, because it was. Even to this day, it still feels like it's shrouded in mystery. But from the, the rumours and the things you'd hear, it was the fact that Roberto Martinez would give a team talk. And then as soon as he left the room, Etu would tell the players not to do it that way and to do it a different way. Um, so that that's the one that's always baffled me because obviously, you know, I, I feel like Martinez gave us a chance to like really believe, you know, bringing a player of Etu's calibre to Goodison and for it to be over in about, what, four months? Something as... Has definitely gone on there, but I think Martinez tried to play it a bit cool and sort of praised him when he left. But I think he was sort of shown the door quite quickly. So that's the one that's always uh, stuck in my mind. But as, you, as we said earlier, you know, for a club that's been so dysfunctional, you know, I know we've had a few players who've sort of I remember like the Morgan Schneider and stuff. But really, you'd think we'd have more when when you look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you would. I mean, the, 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 the one that we've already mentioned earlier, Luca Dean, I think is, is memorable for all the, the worst reasons, really. I mean, I think it's one of, one of the more, more costly decisions that this club has made in the last few years. Um, because, you know, if we, if, we had, if we still had him in the team, just think, of, you know, he wasn't the greatest of players, um, but he is certainly, uh, w- w- that position wouldn't be an issue right now. Let's just say he would be, you know, the first choice. Um, but the only other one, the, the one that the first came to mind was Royston Trenta, which I think he obviously fell out with David Moyes for uh, for obvious reasons. 
um, <laughs> the story of him breaking into the changing rooms at, at Finch Farm with his um, with his uh, <laughs> with his harem <laughs> was quite funny, uh, but that was the first one that split, split to mind. But I, I just you know I don't think that he uh, clearly didn't have a bit like Andy Fandermeter obviously didn't have the uh, the attitude to be a success. Uh, with Everton, so it probably didn't make make much odds in the end, but uh, <laughs> makes for a good story anyway. <laughs> he was a talented player as well, then wasn't he? He's what you'd get you off yeah. your seat, him, uh, uh, Chente. Um, yeah, it's funny on that one. Um, obviously, you're more on the ass, not getting his, getting his locker taken away from probably takes the cake, yes. isn't it? Probably from yeah, uh, pretty dark days, and you think. Walt Smith and Alex and Yarko, although you can say and Yarko kind of imposed that one really more so than, than anything yeah. else. The other one I just thought of was uh, when Alan, Alan Stubbs left. I think a lot of players left when we uh, didn't get a new contract or got offered a contract they weren't happy with uh, when uh, we finished fourth. And uh, I think Stubbs, I think there's some other reasons, but Stubbs, uh, Alan Stubbs left and I felt like a little bit of a fallout when he to come back about six months later. Um, Obviously, yeah, um, didn't didn't settle or didn't work out in Sutherland, so it was just quite quite an odd one that it was like, oh, you know, it's you know, such a bitter fall out of Moyes, and then came back. But I suppose that's one thing you could say about David Moyes. He was quite good. He he, he was done firm with players, but he would open the door to them as well. Like you know, him and Duncan Ferguson never got on, but he allowed them back and things like that. So uh, yeah, that, I find that was quite a, quite a curious one as well. All right, then Blues, uh, we'll leave it there, and uh, we'll return. Next week, as we look ahead to the Arsenal home game and discuss uh, whatever dysfunctional goings-on have been going on at Goodison Park in the interim. Until then, thanks as always for listening. Take care and up those toppies.